As a beauty editor, I'm able to ask the difficult questions, look through the ingredient lists, try out the textures from a wide selection of samples that arrive on my desk. And let me tell you something, even with that level of access to information and products, it's often confusing when it comes to choosing the right products for my own face that actually work. So where to start? That's why we're thrilled to be partnering with Renewed for this episode of Keeping Face. Renewed takes the hard work out of finding the right skincare for you. Just complete a short skin quiz, book a free 20-minute video call with one of their estheticians to discuss your skin concerns, and receive a personalized routine within hours. They'll choose from a range of well-known brands like Medicaid, CeraVe, Aven, and new innovative brands that are all guaranteed to have long-term benefits for your skin. Say goodbye to the frustration of researching and buying products that end up being a bit meh. Sign up with Renewed, follow your new routine, and check in anytime with your Renewed Esthetician for personal ongoing support. Best of all, if you use the code KEEPINGFACE when you sign up, there's £10 off your first purchase. So thank you to Renewed for supporting Keeping Face, and to all our listeners, we hope you'll sign up and take that first step towards finding a skincare routine that truly works for you. We're confident you'll see a difference in your skin. Welcome to Keeping Face. I'm your host, Kathleen Baird-Murray. This is the podcast where we explore the successes and failures of some of our favorite beauty brand founders. Thank you so much for joining us. Our guest today is something of a legend. John Legend is a father of three and a world-renowned singer, songwriter, and awards aside, he has at least 10 Grammys and an Academy Award. I challenge anyone to listen to ordinary people without the hairs of your arms standing up at some point. But he's here today with a different hat on, a very different hat on. He is the founder of Loved One, a very new beauty brand. It's launched in America. It hasn't launched in the UK yet, but we're hoping it's going to come our way soon. And his intention is to bring great skincare at affordable prices to melanated people of all ethnicities. Hello, John. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great. Good. So, John, we're really happy to have you here today. And we really appreciate you giving us your time because obviously you're so well known in one world. And this is a very new world, isn't it? The beauty brand world. Sure. And our series is all about beauty brand founders. And so we, it's um, a sign to me that you're taking, you know, your new hat as a beauty brand founder extremely seriously indeed, which is great. What made you decide to talk to us today? Well, I um, love what we're creating. Uh, I love what uh, we've been able to um, introduce to our customers so far. And I also am not so new to this space in that, you know, I've worked with other great brands in the past, like SK2 and Kiehl's and and others. And so I've had, uh, you know, some experience working in the space, but we really wanted to create something that was new and had a really good reason to exist. And we created Loved One. And it's really fun to have ownership over something, to be really creatively involved from the very beginning in developing it and having a real mission and, uh, and then trying to go out and execute on that mission. Um. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Loved One? Because at the moment, it's only available in the U.S., isn't it? Yes. Is it, um, for those of us outside of the U.S., how would you describe it? Well, um, we, first of all, decided very early on that there was a big gap 
in skincare uh, for people that have melanin-rich skin. So people with darker skin tones, whether it's brown, black, uh, the range. Um, when you have more melanin in your skin, um, there are certain skin conditions and, and characteristics that you're more likely to have. Um, and that means your skin is a little bit different from lighter skin tones in some ways. But uh, even though that's the case, um, there weren't a lot of products being developed uh, for the melanin-rich skincare market. And so there was a huge audience out there um, that wasn't having products that were developed with them in mind. And so we created Loved One um, to fill in that gap, to say um, everyone deserves to have products developed with them in mind. And we're going to create a brand whose focus, even though the products will work for everybody, uh, whose focus is going to be developing and formulating our products for melanin-rich skin and uh, focusing on whatever uh, conditions and needs and, and uh, characteristics that we're more likely to have with darker skin. So uh, one of the things we learned is that we uh, lose moisture more quickly. So our first line of products is particularly focused on moisture, whether it's our uh, face and body wash, our exfoliating cleanser, or our actual moisturizer and, and face and body oil. All of them are focused on making sure we stay moisturized and hydrated because we know that darker skin tones lose moisture more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to develop other products for other uh uh, characteristics and conditions that we're more likely to have, like hyperpigmentation and and others. And so the whole idea behind Loved One is that there was this uh, missing area when it came to dermatology and skincare products uh, because there was too little focus and research and product development being uh, uh, focused on uh, melanin-rich skin. And so we decided to uh, make that our focus for Loved One and we also wanted to make it affordable and accessible for everybody. So right now it's just in the States, but in the States, it's very accessible. Yes. Uh, it's at the drugstores where people shop all the time, like CVS. It's at Walmart, which is you know our biggest retailer. And um, so having it uh, accessible at these uh, locations where everyone shops, and then at prices $15 or less for all of our first six uh, SKUs, uh, is really exciting because it means not only are we developing products uh, for a market that's been underserved and under-addressed, we're also making sure that they can afford the products that we create and not, uh, you know, selling them at celebrity prices. Yes, because a lot of those uh, products that are, you know, I guess at the forefront of technology when it comes to things like hyperpigmentation or melasma and so on, they are they can be quite pricey, can't they? Yeah. And we we have to keep that in mind when we're developing the products, making sure we're uh, sourcing them in, in a way that we can afford to sell them at um, an affordable price. And uh, so that's always our focus. How can we deliver the best uh, uh, products that are effective and and feel great and smell great and all those great things uh, and then uh, give people an elevated experience at an affordable price? And it's been out quite a few months now, hasn't it? Uh, it came out at the top of March, yeah. yeah. Um, top of February, sorry. Yes. And how's it how's it going? What's the response being? And have you have you learned anything new or different or unexpected about your consumer that you perhaps didn't envisage? What I love is the amount of positive feedback where people really feel like uh, they've discovered something that's really going to change their skincare routine 
improve their skincare routine and something they're going to keep coming back to. And that's really what we want is to have created something that people can trust and people are really getting the results that they want from. And uh, particularly because our focus is on moisture and hydration, we're hearing that back from our audience. They're saying, oh yeah, this really is great for moisture and hydration. Even your cleansers, even uh, your body wash, all of it has been really good at keeping me moisturized and hydrated. And um, so hearing that feedback lets us know that we set out to do something and, and it seems like we've created something that uh, is really accomplishing what we wanted to do. And obviously you're someone who, you know, as you said at the beginning, you've used a lot of great skincare products. So, I mean, there's all sorts of issues, aren't there, with pigmentation. And, you know, you can have um, worse recovery from things like spots because you've got more more melanin and then if your skin reacts more, you obviously react differently in the sun. I have issues. Um, I'm a, a quarter Asian, so I have issues with hyperpigmentation. In, in some ways, I feel like pigmentation is something we didn't really talk about until the last five years in, in the beauty industry. But was there something, before you were using all those amazing products, was there anything that you particularly, I'm not going to say suffered from, that's a very strong word, but that you experienced or that you were challenged by with your own skin? Well, you know what? I've fallen in love with our moisturizer and our face and body oil because I was never super satisfied with the different moisturizers and and uh, lotions I was using before. And um, it, it feels minor. Uh, you know, it's not like you're suffering from a terrible condition uh, or something that's extremely challenging, but finding a moisturizer that you really love, that you want to use all the time, uh, it's a nice thing. And then um, all of us deal with scars and uh, spotting. And uh, we've been testing out uh, our hyperpigmentation serum um, and it's really interesting working on that. And I think we're going to create something uh, and offer something that's really going to be special when it's ready. Uh, we're still developing that. But um, that's one of those issues that we hear about a lot. And like you said, people uh, of Asian descent, African descent, uh, Latino uh, are more likely to have uh, hyperpigmentation. And uh, so we want to make sure uh, we have a really good product for that. So we're developing that right now. That would be great. Um, and I was wondering, what is the wider significance, do you think, both culturally, socially and politically, of bringing out a product range like this? Because it it affects you on a much deeper level, doesn't it, than, you know, just a, it's not just skincare. Well, I think for so long in 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 history and 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 in kind of geopolitics darker skin was looked down upon and and seen as a problem or something that you know um had to be solved and what we want to say is our skin is beautiful we should treasure it and care for it and love it and we should have products that are made with us in mind and that's really the mission behind loved one is that our skin should be celebrated and nourished and cared for and deserves high quality products made with us in mind. Absolutely. And it's also, I think, really important to, you know, for example, when I first um, came across these products that were, you know, throughout the beauty industry, I've been in it for quite a while and seeing products from Asia in particular that were 
meant for darker skins, but they were all about lightning. Mm-hmm. And all the all the language about it was a bit disturbing, actually, because it was all about skin whitening and lightening. Yeah. So it's fantastic that you can make this move far away from that and make it about a celebration, make it about, you know, actually just yes. preserving skin skin. That's, that's, that's been our mission when we're talking internally mm. about what we want to create is that we are not a problem. Our skin is not a problem. No. It, it deserves to be celebrated, but it also deserves care and nourishment. And so uh, that's really been part of our internal discussions and how we like to communicate to our audience uh, every day is that our skin is beautiful, deserves to be celebrated, and it deserves great care formulated with us in mind. Um, Now, you started this brand, we touched on it a bit earlier, just before the birth of your third child, um, which some people would think is the worst time to start a brand, but maybe it's a good time to start a brand. I don't know. (laughs) Well, we've been developing it for a while. We uh, started developing it before uh, Chrissy was pregnant with Esty. But um, yeah, we've worked on it all this time, been developing it, testing it, uh, coming up with our uh, brand name, our, our, our packaging, our marketing, all that stuff has been happening over all this time. And yeah, uh, uh, doing press for it and doing uh, yep. some of the activations we've had to do for it has required me to be away from home sometimes. But I make sure I spend plenty of time at home and have a really good work-life balance. And uh, I do a lot of my work from our home office, which is uh, 15 minutes from our house. Uh, we have our studio there. Chrissy's uh, uh, test kitchen is there for all of her uh, cravings products. Uh, I'm here right now doing this interview. And so um, we try to do as much as we can from our own uh, creative headquarters and not uh, travel too much if we don't need to. No. So this series is all about um, the difficult part of a founder's journey mm-hmm. and how they overcame it. Have there ever have there been any, you know, problems where you or challenges where you just thought, you know what? Life's too short. I don't need a beauty brand. I'm going to walk away. Has it, or has it just been plain sailing all the way through? Like, what were the challenges that made you perhaps question why you were actually doing this? Or, um, I don't think we've had those existential moments yet where we're like, you know, why did I do this? But there are challenges along the way. You know, um, it's a, a, a tough environment to introduce a new brand. Um, you know, People get used to their own products that they've been using for years and uh, they get a routine going. And sometimes it's hard to uh, make people, you know, interested in trying something new. Um, And so it's always going to be a challenge to introduce that new brand to the world. Um, We're in uh, CVS and Walmart. We're competing with loads of other products that are competing for people's attention and their and their dollars. And so that's always going to be a challenge. Um, we've had, you know, um, issues with manufacturing, supply, um, little things that we've overcome. But, you know, it's a challenge trying to launch a brand, um, yeah. trying to get everything right with the packaging. We've had to change the packaging, for instance, for our moisturizer because it's a great moisturizer, but it's actually so thick that it was hard to squeeze out of the original bottle it was in. And so we uh, changed it to uh, one of these tubes instead. Um, which is much easier to squeeze. So little things like that we discovered as we're 
developing and testing and trying, but also as we're launching, we're like, oh, we're realizing once we got further down in the moisturizer uh, bottle, oh, we need a tube. <laughs> this moisturizer <laughs> bottle isn't great to squeeze out. Uh, so little things like that happen. And that's part of being a baby brand and learning and uh, growing and uh, and seeing what kind of feedback you get. And so we're going to keep getting that feedback but it's overwhelmingly been positive feedback, honestly. And and uh, we're going to uh, focus on whatever we need to improve, but we're also focusing on growing. And so part of that means listening to what our customer needs and trying to make sure we address those needs and create additional products with them in mind. Uh, and then also speaking with our uh, dermatology team and, and, uh, and understanding what issues they think we should focus on. Mm -hmm. All of that's going to go into our decision-making and hopefully we'll just keep growing and going from, uh, uh, you know, a really young scrappy brand right now <laughs> to, uh, hopefully something that's really well established. And what I talk about a lot with our team is trust, um, because, um, when you're talking about a brand, uh, one of, one of my team members says a brand is a promise. Uh, and I talk a lot about trust because um, especially with skincare or anything that's so intimate and so, mm. you know, in people's bathrooms, it's they they put it on when they're naked. You know, there, you know, there's an intimacy um, that you're hoping to develop with your customer. And that means you have to build trust. And so what we would love to do is be a brand and a line of products that our customers really trust. They can depend on us to put care and intention into everything we create. It was interesting while I was researching this podcast with John today, just to check back into the story that I wrote for the Financial Times, which featured him and loved one, because the story wasn't so much about him. It was more about celebrity brands in general. Were they still relevant? Had we all grown tired of them? Did we have good reason to be sceptical? And this time round, when I looked at it online, I noticed that some of the comments were not very nice. I mean, that's always the way when you look at comments, but they seemed to suggest that they still thought, readers still thought that celebs were in it just for the money and ultimately hypocrites at that, which wasn't my impression at all of what John was saying of his experience of launching a brand. Well, first of all, let's look at what was happening before. You know, most of the time, celebrities were being called upon to be the faces of these brands, uh, these big established brands, um, but we weren't able to take any ownership in them. So we were getting paid, you know, a, a one-time fee um, to appear in a commercial or to uh, have our faces plastered on their uh, new marketing campaign but we weren't taking any ownership. And I think a lot of artists and celebrities who may have done that kind of thing before have decided if I'm going to allow this brand to use my likeness to sell these products, why shouldn't I take more ownership? I understand the backlash, but I'm also like, hey, this is better than the other model where we're just getting paid a flat check and, and then don't own any piece of this brand that we're helping to build up. And so that was one, that's one uh, answer to that question. But the other answer was we wanted to have a reason to exist beyond the fact that I was a celebrity. Um, and, and that really was the most important thing for me, which was saying, 
well, why does loved one exist? And I think our focus on melanin-rich skin is important and it's not common. We felt like, oh, we have a real reason to exist. There's not a bunch of other brands that are doing what we're doing. There may be other celebrities fronting brands, but they're not focused on the market we're focused on. They're not doing it in the way that we're doing it. And they're not making it affordable and accessible for their audience like we are. And so um, we felt like we were doing something new and different and special that deserved to exist in the world, uh, regardless of whether a celebrity was there fronting it or not. Were you ever tempted to try any of their brands? <laughs> and if so, can you give us a quick product review? <laughs> I haven't. I, I, none of the more recent celebrity launches have I tried yet. Yeah. Um, no, no shade to anybody. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> exactly. Um, now, in fact, though, you know, you're a beauty brand founder now. But um, you, you know, you, you have actually quite a strong background in this. And you studied, um, you graduated from the, uni the University of Pennsylvania. And your first job, which I didn't know, was as a strategic management consultant. So perhaps this has been what it's all meant to be about right from the start or is that too much of a I was stretch? always meant to be a, a, a beauty brand founder. You were founder. meant to be a beauty brand founder. <laughs> when we were, uh, when I was a consultant, we worked with all kinds of companies and some of them were, you know, consumer products companies. Some of them were pharmaceuticals. We worked for a range of companies, but um, a lot of what we did was kind of analyzing uh, the market, seeing if there was white space, as we would call it, uh, white space, meaning, you know, there's these areas that aren't being uh, addressed in the market. Uh, and for for us, with a loved one, the white space was there aren't very many products developed for melanin rich skin. And there are a lot of people with melanin rich skin out there who are looking for products that uh, are addressing their needs. And so uh, my BCG consultant uh, self would have said, yeah, this is a real white space that... That's a term that know, needs rebranding, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not... <laughs> well, it's, it just means a blank part of the page uh, yeah. that isn't being covered. Mm. Uh, and usually most pages are white. <laughs> yes. So either way, you know, um, it was an area that needed to be addressed and and, and a customer who wasn't being paid enough attention to. And uh, and so we decided that loved ones should exist for that reason. Thank you. I wanted to ask, because I love the name, loved one. Mm -hmm. um, whose idea was that? Was that your idea? It was a team kind of effort. So my uh, creative team uh, has been working with me since my Love in the Future album. So that album's about 10 years old now. It's our 10 year anniversary of that album. Um, and they've been part of my creative team for every tour that I've done since then. They've every product uh, I've worked on. I have my own wine brand, LVE. Um, I do. I did my Vegas residency, um, all of the album covers, everything they've been involved with. And uh, so they know me very well and um, they just did a deep dive brainstorm of all kinds of possible names. And some of them were more kind of exotic sounding. Some of them were, uh, you know, more kind of on the nose, but all of them had a reason, you know, that they pitched them. And 
as we kind of went back and forth about which one I felt I was most excited about, I loved the idea of loved one. One, because love is such a central theme in my music and and everything I do. My wine is LVE. I've had love in the future, bigger love as album titles. Love is very central to who I am. Um, and then I love the idea of it being called loved one because it means you are the loved one. So taking care of yourself and and loving yourself and, and committing to caring for yourself. But also uh, skincare is something we share with our loved ones who are around us, our partners, our kids. Um, and so we wanted to kind of celebrate that communal aspect of skincare, the fact that you do it with someone you love, with someone you care about, and you care for yourself and love yourself. And so that's really the impetus and the and the and the rationale behind the name. And uh, we wanted the packaging to look um, beautiful and elevated and luxurious, and we wanted the the actual product itself to be really effective and and created with a lot of care and intention. All of it because we decided that we believe that our customer deserves a luxury experience, but one that they can afford. Do you think that, I mean, I think that personally, I think it's a fantastic idea that you managed to take your creative team that works with you on the music side of things into a beauty sphere because it's meant you've come up with something original. I'm not saying that people in the beauty sphere can't come up with anything original, but they're bringing a completely different viewpoint into it. Was there any resistance towards that or any idea that perhaps you needed to like, you know, look more like a beauty brand? No, um, I think my team, they're really good. And I think uh, their track record speaks for itself in creating beautiful content and um, beautiful design. And uh, I think uh, our partners at uh, A-Frame who helped us build this company, uh, they were excited to work with me and my team. I think because also they wanted me to feel ownership uh, over the process and not just slap my name on it, but really be involved in in really developing our branding, our look and feel and our actual products. And so whenever I was like, well, I want my team to be involved in all of this, they were like, let's do it because they wanted me to be excited and enthusiastic and very involved in every aspect. So I want to ask you the usual trajectory for launching a brand is um, America, Europe, and then the rest kind of catches up at some point. But yours is a different brand. It's, it's speaking to people of color. Will you be focusing in a different way after America? Do you think you'll go to Asia first or to South America first? Or or what are your plans for that? We want to get it right um, as uh as well as we can in the U.S. before we try to go internationally. For sure. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit, um, not about beauty so much, but uh, your work for, you know, human rights and social justice, um, because you you are very active, aren't you, in that, in that arena. And how will you fit loved one into that? Well, a lot of my human rights work kind of exists on its own it has its own momentum and uh dedicated team that's focused on it and we have a uh, an organization called free america which is focused domestically um but the key focus is on justice uh on equity on um 
helping folks who have been underserved and overlooked. And um, so we do that in multiple ways, but that's our focus here in the United States. But with Loved One, what we've decided our mission should be is to bring about some reform in dermatology and in skin care when it comes to the needs of melanin-rich skin. Uh, in the U.S., for instance, um, the FDA, which is our regulatory body that uh, requires testing uh, and uh, sanctions the testing, doesn't require you to do it for anybody with skin darker than the lightest two shades of white. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that needs to change. And we feel like in the industry, uh, we can be a voice for uh, expanding uh, testing, expanding research uh expanding um the focus uh so that a huge portion of the world which are people with darker skin tones are actually paid attention to and uh cared for when it comes to dermatology and the development of skincare products that sounds like a bit of a battle ahead i imagine yeah but it, it needs to be done and and, and it's, it's kind of screaming to be done it's like the the you look at the the globe and and how big the population of people of color is and then even within the united states the majority of our uh younger generation is actually going to be people of color uh mm. there's no reason our skincare industry should continue to ignore such a huge audience huge market i mean just selfishly if you're trying to make money it's a huge market yeah it's crazy. Now, with your Music Supremo hat off and your Beauty Founder hat on, what tips would you have for anyone starting out in the beauty industry today? Oh, I don't know. There's there's so many <laughs> challenges. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not uh, naive about the privilege that I have being someone who's already famous, being someone who already has a large audience. Um, you know, a lot of people don't start with that kind of uh, advantage and privilege. And so I'm not naive about that. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back and say I'm some kind of genius. And so um, I think it's hard for me to give the same kind of advice that I would give myself to someone else because they may not be starting with the kind of uh, um, inherent advantages that come with having already built a name and build a reputation and a certain amount of celebrity. Did you get any advice from any beauty brand founders? Did anybody step in and say, oh, John, let me help you with that? I'm very good friends with Jen Atkin, who founded Way, which has been a very successful mm -hmm. hair care uh, brand. And she, you know, she built it. You know, she was known originally for being the hairstylist for the Kardashians, but she built her own social media following because she has such a great personality and, and a great sense for what works in social media. And then uh, she's such a great entrepreneur and uh, she's built a really amazing brand. So a lot of, of choices I've made was like, you know, what did Jen do? It's good to have those sorts of friends, isn't it? I think. Yeah. How's Loved One? You're, you're very happy with how Loved One's doing right now. Have you got any new plans for the future besides the things that we've talked about? Well. Um, I'm happy, but, you know, we've got to keep going. And and uh, what we've learned and what Chrissy, I think, has learned with her Cravings brand is you have to stay engaged. Uh, you can't just leave it 
in the stores and hope it'll sell itself. You have to keep, you know, bringing it to people's minds and and uh, make them remember. You know, they've got all kinds of other things going on in their lives. And uh, there's no particular reason why they should remember that loved one is out there and that they should try it. And so you've got to stay on their minds in one way or another. So that's why we continue to create content, continue to engage. Um, and uh, we can't take anything for granted. We had a decent launch, but we want to keep it up and we want to keep growing. And uh, part of that's going to be through continuing to stay on people's minds, but also uh, new product development and uh and and saying you know we have a new offering and getting people excited around that i've been dying to ask this question of a man because it's always asked of a woman uh-huh. when she's running a business and she's got kids and she's got you know, how do you do it all <laughs> how do you juggle it all and still look fabulous <laughs> so, so yeah so so how do you juggle your time as a working father <laughs> well when i if i just think about work um most of my energy is still making music. Uh, I want my music fans to know that most of my creative energy, most of my uh, work energy is still around making music. I'm writing uh, music for a musical right now for Broadway. Uh, wow. I'm doing live shows, uh, personally solo around the world. Just did some in London uh, recently. Um, and so music is still my main focus, but because um We've hired such a great team at Loved One. Um, I really trust them to run the brand on a day-to-day level. I still get involved in doing interviews and and creating content and and uh, testing products and all the things that we need to do. But I have a lot of time to still be my creative self uh, and allow our wonderful team to do most of the heavy lifting for Loved One and all the other stuff I do. And then that means I also have time to be a good dad and to be a good husband. I take my kids to school every morning. Um, I'm playing with them, drawing with them, hanging out with them, going to their t-ball games and gymnastics practices and all these things. I, I still do all of that because, you know, I just have learned how much I can say yes to and how much I should say no to and uh, focus on the things that I really love doing. and. Uh, I feel like 20 years into my career, I've got a good sense of what I really want to do and what I really don't want to be bothered doing. And so uh, I don't overwork myself. I, I, I work plenty, but um, I leave plenty of time for my family. And one more question. If Loved One was a song, what kind of song would it be? I've had this question before, so I actually no, have No, I thought it was really original. <laughs> How dare uh, they? <laughs> you may be the third, I think, person <laughs> asking that. But I, okay. I, my answer, I'm sticking to yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Is a song called Good Morning. And Good Morning is about starting the day with someone you love, doing what you love. And um, I think loved one being part of your good morning ritual is perfect. Good Morning's from my 2008 album, Evolver. And it was actually the first song I wrote for Chrissy or, or you know, with Chrissy in mind, because we had just dating not long before that. That's going to be a hard act for anyone else to follow on their first date, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, John, is there anyone from the team in particular that you'd like to give a shout out to? I do want to mention our great team because... Um, like I said, I, I don't have to spend every second focus on loved one because we have such a great team. 
And we were able to hire a woman named Kia Lowe, who is our brand president. And she had come from L'Oreal and done some great work in brand building and 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 brand managing there. And uh, so leaning on her expertise has been amazing. And then we also have Dr. Boache, who's our uh, resident dermatologist, who really helps us develop every product, thinking about ingredients that will be effective, um, thinking about the unique needs of darker skin tones. Um, all of that has been so important for us as we develop our products, because again, we want our audience to trust us. And um, knowing that we have such a great dermatologist helping us develop every single product makes me comfortable that I can go out there and say to our audience, you can trust us we've created something that's really going to work for you. Thank you so much, John. It's been incredible talking to you today. It's been really wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you. We've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Wow. I really loved talking to John today. What I've realized is just how much of a bubble the beauty industry has been in. I mean, I knew that. But while there has been a lot of progress and there are a lot of great brands out there that are looking at pigmentation and other melanin-related issues, it made me think there is still so much that needs to be done. I remember visiting Myanmar for the first time over 25 years ago or so and being told by one of my elderly relatives that my freckles were spots and I needed to take more care of them. And I'm sure she was right. I was really surprised to hear from John today that the FDA regulations in the US only require sunscreen testing on the lightest skin tones, when we all know that sun damage occurs on all skin tones, so this doesn't make sense at all. But what does make sense? John comes across as being very committed to elevating the way we see melanated skin, and that's something that's very much needed as much in America as in countries across Asia, South America, Africa, and yes, obviously in Britain too. He is in such a great position to shift the needle. And if he does well, the big guns will be the first to follow. And in doing so, that conversation will have changed, hopefully forever. Thank you for listening to Keeping Face. You can learn more about my guest and their career journey in the show notes. Please do subscribe to our podcast. It helps others to find us. A special thanks to Renewed for sponsoring this episode. Remember to visit Renewed.co and use the code KEEPINGFACE for £10 off your first purchase. Keeping Face was brought to you by Parkview Creative and myself, Kathleen Baird-Murray.